Hi, I'm Wendy Garcia, and I'm the New York City's Chief Diversity Officer for New York City Controller Scott Stringer. Today, I am with Anoush and Topeka on the podcast at the end of the day. Wendy, I am really curious to know, when you say you are the Chief Diversity Officer, what do you actually do? That is a great question. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my position, uh, the reason that's a good question is because my position is actually a new position. Okay. It was, it is a role that was created by the New York City Comptroller Scott Stringer mm -hmm. about five years ago. And the concept behind it is to ask one hard question. How is the city doing with women and minorities across the board? Okay. Mm -hmm. Are we doing business with them? Are we hiring them? Are we making sure that our rules and our regulations and that the policies that we pass are reflective of New York City? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what we did when we came in is that the controller sat us down and said, look, I, I want to answer the question. I want to look at city agencies mm -hmm. and see whether they are doing business mm -hmm. with women and minorities. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, we, we took a bunch of agencies. There were about 32 of them. And we started grading them mm -hmm. on whether they were doing business with what we call MWBEs. We use that language, yeah. with women and minorities. Yeah, and uh -huh. that is women and minority-owned business enterprises. Yes. Okay. Well, a lot of what we did is that every year now we put out a publication um, that highlights whether these 32 city agencies are doing business. Mm -hmm. And out of the city's $19 billion, we mm -hmm. found that only 5% was going to MWBEs, mm -hmm. to uh, women and minority enterprises. Mm -hmm. Now, in a city where 80% of New York is women and minority, mm -hmm. and only 5% are getting contracts, mm -hmm. what do you think that highlights? a major discrimination right. gaps. And I think for the listeners um, wondering, how do you create a role like this? Um, how do you do this job mm -hmm. and really hold people accountable to it? Mm -hmm. What we're doing is making sure that we use the powers of the controller's office, not just to push this issue, but to hold the city accountable around it. We graded the agencies mm -hmm. and they got a degrade. Uh, what does those grading signify to agencies? If they are degraded, what does that entail? Well, um, a little bit of embarrassment. But, um, <laughs> besides that? <laughs> besides that. No, I, actually, all jokes aside, I, uh, what it entails for our office, what we do is that we look at every single check mm -hmm. um, that the city produces. We take that and we ask one question. Mm -hmm. Did that check go to a woman, a woman enterprise or did it go to uh, what's categorized as a minority okay. in the city? Mm -hmm. We take that and then we put it up against the city's rules and regulations, what mm -hmm. already exists. And we say, hey, there's this law that exists that's called Local Law 1. Mm -hmm. You have certain percentages that you have to do with African-Americans, with Hispanics, with Asians, with women. Mm -hmm. If we have these percentages that already exist, then the main question is, are we meeting those goals? Mm -hmm. So there's a legislation now that says you have to have an X percent with a specific industry within a specific ethnicity. Mm -hmm. And then we take all that data, we run it together. And what we find is that they're not meeting the goals. 
and they're not meeting the goals with any ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the the truth behind this is, is that pervasive discrimination has happened way before we were all born. Um, In the context of racialized America, Mm -hmm. I think we can all agree that systemic racism doesn't just happen when you're walking in the street. It happens inside of uh, the halls of government. And, you know, my role is to make sure that uh, that there is racial equity inside of the halls of government Mm -hmm. and that anything, anything outside of that should not be able to exist. So we have to reform language to make sure that city agencies cannot only do business better with um, MWBEs, uh, with the women and minority enterprises, Mm -hmm. but that MWBs have access to government um, because we're the majority of the city. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It is a very challenging task that you are entrusted with. And as a child of an immigrant family from Dominican Republic, yes. uh, you were born in the U.S., you were brought up in the U.S., but as a child of an immigrant family, now working as chief diversity officer, you know, like this transition, it is very interesting to me. How do you yeah. feel about that? What does this mean to you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm Dominicana, <laughs> um, and um, I was born and raised in Washington Heights, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that for many New Yorkers means that you're Dominican, mm-hmm. you're American, you're Dominican, you're American, and there's this constant back and forth on whether you're either or or both. Mm-hmm. I I am just as much Dominican as I am American. Right. I think most first-generation immigrants uh, feel that way as well. Um, and I think most people who come from other countries feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. You come to this country and you love this country just as much as you love the country that you were born in. I don't think, I think that's the human story behind the beauty of participating in democracies and participating in building wealth mm-hmm. for all our communities. Wendy, I was just wondering, have you ever had any struggle in your during your childhood about your identity, you know, like... Who am I? Here's how I connotate who am I. Mm-hmm. I am everything that I already have been and am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Washington Heights. That is my truth. Mm-hmm. That means that my perspective comes from a community that has, that while it's deemed as a low-income community with um, with uh, less resources than maybe uh, the lower, you know, than, than another part of the city, um, it means that I come from from a community that is vibrant, mm-hmm. that is hardworking, that is disciplined, that is focused, that dreams. Because mm-hmm. tell me, the majority of Dominican immigrants, the majority of any immigrant mm-hmm. who have th- who, the bravery to go from one place they have no idea mm-hmm. to another place where they have right. no idea where right. to go is quite a life skill set. I think that's the skill set that I have been taught mm-hmm. is this concept of dreaming, having the discipline and executing even when the circumstances are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And my work now mm-hmm. is doing just that. I, I have to make people uncomfortable every day. I get to talk about racial discrimination inside of mm-hmm. 
bureaucratic New York City. <laughs> There's no more uncomfortable conversation you uh -huh. could have. Yeah. You know, I feel I've been training for this my whole life. Yes. And I think this is a nice segue to talk about your career path, like talking about being uncomfortable, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and trying to make this journey, which is like unknown and unexperienced. And now you want to experience a new journey. So I was going through your LinkedIn profile <laughs> and I see that the move that you have made from your first career as a grant writer to today being the chief diversity officer, are there any key experiences that you would like to share? Yeah, I think um, I'll say to the listeners mm -hmm. in that there is no experience that you will have that will go um, unused. Mm -hmm. um, my LinkedIn profile will show you that I started off as a grant writer at a church. Um, I, I started organizing priests at mm -hmm. the Catholic Church around social issues and putting together grants to help them put together social justice movements inside of a church. Mm -hmm. You know, the Catholic Church is, is, is not, it's not usually at the forefront of political issues. Mm -hmm. And I was able to work with the Jesuits at that time to do just that, mm -hmm. to, to take social justice mm -hmm. and... And, 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 and this movement to, to bring it together. So I think, um, you know, whether it's organizing, mm -hmm. whether it was grant writing that I learned at that time, how to create coalition mm -hmm. among different churches, churches that had over a thousand members in their congregation, uh -huh. mobilize them to come and attain resources mm -hmm. um, around housing, around domestic violence, around uh, anything from uh, developing a small business in your community to doing Bible study. Mm -hmm. All those things... I think played a role in what I'm doing now. If you fast forward to to my current job, I just came from a focus group mm -hmm. organizing a group of minority women-owned businesses Today. to discuss okay. reforms needed in the city. The position which you are right now, Chief Diversity Officer, was just created five years ago. So that means you never had a, had any clue about where your career would go, right? Yes. <laughs> oh. Now, Interesting way to put that. <laughs> so, uh, when you started your career, how did you see yourself in 10, 15 years? Oh, that, that's a good... I, I remember I was part of what's called the McNair, McNair Scholars Program. Mm -hmm. It's a program that is traditionally in undergraduate uh, schools, and it's for women, it's for people of color or disadvantaged communities. Mm -hmm. That's sort of, that's what it's codified for. Um, and and part of the work that they made you do was figure out what you wanted to do. Like, what did you want, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. So at that time, I was probably like 19 years old. And I remember um, thinking that I wanted to definitely come back to New York because mm -hmm. I, was, I was at the University of Delaware. Okay. And I remember thinking... I, I mean, this is kind of insane. I don't even know. I remember thinking that I wanted to I wanted to make an impact of my community, but I wanted to work on a bunch of different issues. Mm -hmm. I, I never really, I never, at that time, I didn't understand how. And then I knew that I wanted to work in government. Okay. Those were the only three things I understood at that time because mm -hmm. I wanted to do something where I was impacting the masses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and... But I didn't know how to do that. Right. right. And you don't just wake up and think, "Ooh, let me reform government <laughs> yes. and right. pass legislation," right. Right. Mm -hmm. and this doesn't that doesn't happen for mm -hmm. the everyday person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
I went around and I, I was asked to interview a couple government officials mm -hmm. and they told me what they did. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed listening to, at that time, it was a city council member mm -hmm. and listening to like what his day was like, what did he do, why it was important. And at that time I was still at Delaware mm -hmm. and I kind of made up my mind like, Yep, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that, clearly. I, I ended up going from Delaware, right. moving to New York, mm -hmm. um, and I actually did research. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll stop there because I know you have a couple more questions. But, um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, the, you don't always know what you, where you're going to end up. Right. But if you have a vision and you continue with your discipline, you'll be surprised where, where, it, it, where it leads you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is that is so so inspiring mm -hmm. and very encouraging to me as well. So, yeah. so um, finding out that you would be in our podcast, one of my friend's friend, who is a new listener to our podcast, Rosemary Hidalgo. I might be pronouncing her name wrongly. Did I pronounce her name correctly? Um, She's also Rosemary from... Rosemary Hidalgo. Yes, thank you for pronouncing <laughs> her name. And this one goes to you, Rosemary. Thank you so much for your question. Rosemary. So she has a question for you. She is um, studying higher education. She's studying master's degree in higher education at Baruch College. And her question to you is, I am an education professional who has worked with black and brown children and families for about nine years from pre-K to college in various administrative and support roles. A constant trend that I have heard voiced among these groups are that they are not good in math. Research continues to show that black and brown children are behind compared to other racial groups in terms of most subject areas, including math. Given your educational and professional background, Wendy, and your current role of supporting women and minority-owned business enterprises, what would you say to those who have voiced a fear of math about what the business field entail to help them explore this field and one day be supported by you? What I will say with this is that um, there are unconscious biases that impact the way we view each other. Um, and, and, and we have to do a better job at um, recognizing what that looks like. For example, I think, I think uh, as you are in the classroom, it, it's really about uh, starting at what resources are lacking. Um, all children inherently are, are smart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All children have the capacity to learn. All children, it's, it's, we don't, we're not born being unable to take in information. It's actually part of the human concept mm -hmm. is to grow. So let's start there. When you see a group, whether it's an education or it's with MWBs and enterprises, that is not doing well, it is likely because there is an environment that is impeding access, that there's an environment that is um, restricting resources, mm -hmm. there is a lack of exposure to additional resources that can get you to the next level, and we have to be able to red flag that when it happens. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. really a lot of the work that I do, and I think um, that's the pervasive pattern that I um, get to point out humbly um, at work. Mm -hmm. Being a teacher is no different. You have to be able to see see yeah. what's happening in front of you as a result of a systemic issue. Mm -hmm. um, of course, there are circumstances mm -hmm. of 
some people who are not doing their part and and I'm not you know at all saying that everything is systemic yeah. um, however when you see patterns of this mm -hmm. um, in different types of industries um, it is likely because um, we haven't done our due diligence, uh, whether it's uh, in government or in the private sector, to make sure that we are pushing the right pipeline of people into spaces. So yes, I want to see STEM programs that that focus on um, Black and Latino students. I want to see our stream programs. I think mm -hmm. that it's a the longer version. Uh, Black and Latino students uh, work on. Uh, work on math and science at an early age. I have two small children myself, and my son is 11, my daughter's eight, and they're building rockets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's the difference. At eight years old, I went to a public school that was amazing, mm -hmm. and I was not building rockets. Mm -hmm. That was lack of access. So right. was I exposed? Was, did I have the ability or the inability? I would have never known yeah. if I did. Maybe right. I would be interviewing you with you as a NASA astronaut yeah. right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Will my children have the capacity to be able to say they want to or don't want to do that? Yes, because they're exposed to it. They have access to it. And then tomorrow they can tell me they either want to build another rocket ship or they don't. Mm -hmm. right. um, but it will not be because of lack of access. And so we have to be very clear about when we see these kind of issues within communities because they all it, it all really um it all really manifests the same way in different aspects of our society mm. right thank you so much wendy thank you thank you so, thank so much, much for, for having time. me thank you <laughs> okay so it's time to wrap up and before we wrap up we would like to thank BetterWorks for providing us the space to record this conversation with Wendy Garcia. Yes, and please do log in to our website podcast at the end of the day .com to watch and listen to previous episodes and do subscribe our channel on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find us. Yes, on that note, it's time to say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, a quick note. If you have a personal story that you think might be helpful to the newly arriving immigrants in the U.S., please contact us. We would love to feature you in our podcast. Go to our website, podcast at the end of the day .com, and write to us by going to the feedback section. And by the way, if you love this podcast, you can support us with a small donation. Your help will enable us to continue producing more episodes. The link to support our podcast is in the description below.